0: welcome to the hockey Riders maple leafs lounge a weekly show from our toronto maple leafs writing crew bringing you the latest news rumors trades player grades prospects and much more from training camp to the playoffs from draft day to the trade deadline our team covers everything that happens with the blue and white come on in and pull up a chair welcome to the maple leafs lounge Hello and welcome back to the Maple Leafs Lounge. I am your host, Peter Barracchini, and as always, I'm joined by my colleague and fellow Maple Leaf writer over at the Hockey Writers, Jim Parsons. Jim, great to see you again. Uh, It's another week and another week closer to the start of the NHL regular season, and with that comes our big Maple Leaf preview show for this season over at the Hockey Writers. But before we get into that, how are you doing? I'm good we're five days away from the NHL getting going we've got
1: one some teams have maybe two more preseason games and and that's kind of it to get down the lineups and see who's going to build chemistry and what's going on so it's a fun time I'm excited and uh, there's just a couple more cuts coming for the Leafs and so we'll talk about that I'm sure today but uh, no this is a good time to be a, a
0: hockey fan everything's really exciting. Yeah, this is literally like Christmas for every hockey fan. We could talk about the road juniors. We could talk about trade deadline, draft, what have you. But you know what? The start of the season, it is the best part for that. And the Maple Leafs have played seven out of eight preseason games. They would have one more. And by the time this would probably be up, it may have already been concluded and all regular season games have been done. But let's get into the big talking points that basically is for this season for the 2023-24 Toronto Maple Leafs. and. Obviously, the main talking point has been around the whole the whole new acquisitions that the team brought in: Ryan Reeves, Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, and let's even throw in John Klangberg in there because he has, before he went down with an injury, which we get to later on, he did look great in his you know little stint with the Maple Leafs. But focusing on the uh, uh, first three players first, um, obviously they talked about getting tougher, grittier, adding that you know whole. Again, we talked about this before the snot piss and vinegar mentality that Living brought in and what the team needs in order to be successful going forward. What do you obviously we talked about how this can work out, but seeing that we already saw some actual game time or game clips with this mentality with the play of all three players, does it seem to be working even though it is only preseason? Uh, I'm I'm not sure how much. Faith, And this is
1: off topic from, and we'll, I'm going to get to it. So you'll see where I'm going here in a second. But uh, when it comes to like the toughness and stuff, I don't get the sense so far that the Maple Leafs are really sold on everything that they're doing. Like you look at me, mm-hmm. William Lehlander, he was supposed to be at center. Now he was back at the right wing and he had a wicked game the other night uh, at right wing where he probably should naturally be. So I think they're still trying to figure out who they are, what they are, where the people are going to fit on certain lines. And that includes the toughness and the grit and new players coming in and trying to figure out where they fit and where the chemistry is building. Like Tyler Bertuzzi, for example, he seems to be sort of starting to figure it out. It took a minute. Like he wasn't really quite building that Mm -hmm. chemistry immediately. He didn't have it right off the hop, but he's starting to come along. He's starting to be there. For him, somebody like uh, Apertuzzi to be successful, he's going to have to find the right mix of being both gritty and in your face, and skilled and scoring, right? Because he needs to put up points for the Toronto Maple Leafs to do and be successful this season. So, where does his game lie? Is it you know a skilled game? Is it a gritty game? Is it somewhere in between? Max Domi. Uh, he's got a little bit of fight in them a little dog with the bigger fight you know what they say right the mm-hmm. it's not the size of the dog but the you know whatever they do but <laughs> yeah he, he's got that uh it's going to be a matter of finding out where he needs to what line he needs to you know balance and not to cross over it and where not to take away from his skill game things like that my biggest concern with the toughness on this team is on the blue line uh i just don't think they have it i don't think they have the size the grittiness uh the toughness to compete in that that you know respect so I don't know that it's going to kill them in the regular season, but come the playoff times, it's going to be an issue. So they're going to have to figure out a way to do that by committee uh, because their blue line is skilled and they've got puck movers and they're fast and they can score, but they're not tough. So it'll be interesting to see how that will unfold. But it's just a matter of people finding out where they fit and what line not to cross and how much to go too tough and not tough. And they're still skilled, right? You don't want to take Mm -hmm. that out of your game. So I think that's the trick
0: is finding the balance. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you that, you know, this is kind of like a bit of a preview to what's happening, but we haven't seen like the full picture yet. Although we have seen glimpses of, let's say, Max Domi, you know, You know, first penalty 20 seconds into his first game and then he gets a penalty four minutes into his first home game. So you see a bit of that every now and then again, like he did, like you mentioned, you see the little, you see the dog in him, you know, being a little bit smaller, but he has that mentality, that ability to still, you know, get on the, on the attack and show that aggressiveness, um, you, you saw like, well, I believe there's one clip against Montreal where Ryan Reeves is battling um, Arbor Jack And that was supposed to be a big battle where they go to drop the gloves, but you saw a little bit of skill and toughness from him, pushing him off and then going to the net for a scoring chance. And that's kind of like what they want to try and see a bit from Ryan Reeves. And like you mentioned with Bertuzzi as well, is he going to be a skilled player? Is he going to be a little bit gritty? Um, is he going to be a pest? Because in that game against the Detroit Red Wings, the first one, um, You know, he was kind of like, uh, uh, you know, hounding on the puck. You know, he was creating chaos with the Detroit defenders. Uh, I believe it was. um, uh, Can't remember the player, but he turned it over. It was a stand on the pass and Bertuzzi was there to get the puck. And then he just wires it on that for the goal. I think that's what you want to see from those type of players. Be aggressive on the attack. And obviously, if you need to drop the gloves, if you need to, you know, mix it up a little bit. Those are the players that you're going to rely on each time because. I I highly doubt that anyone's going to want to go toe to toe with Ryan Reeves, but if they want to try and pick a fight with Max Domi or Tyler Bertuzzi, they may have another thing coming. But I do think that there is like a little bit of a preview of what we've seen. But like you mentioned, I think it's going to be more evident once the season hits.
1: Yeah. And like I was saying, when we were talking about the balance, right, like Max Domi, mm-hmm. for example, if he's going to take bad penalties, which he has had a tendency to do sometimes in his career. And he's expected to play more physical and he's coming into Toronto and he's thinking to himself, I got to be more physical. He's going to take more bad penalties. And that's not exactly ideal, especially when you don't want to take all of the skill out of his game because he's really skilled player. Mm -hmm. So if he's trying too hard to be physical or a Tyler Bertuzzi is trying too hard to be physical and he's not scoring because he's trying to be physical, that's not the right balance. Ryan Reeves is going to be physical. But he can't be so physical that all he thinks to do is just run players yeah. every shift that he's on the ice because that's going to draw penalties. That's going to cause the short uh, handed you know chances again. Get- like it's just not mm-hmm. a good equation. So you can't go so far physical and so far gritty that you forget what brings you to the game and what you're good at as a team. And this team is really skilled and can score uh, and they are not by definition the toughest team in the NHL. You can't just become that because you're told, Hey, we need more grit out of you. Like you can do certain things. You just can't cross the line. And that's kind of what we've seen so far, right? Max Domi's crossed the line a couple times. Ryan Reeves is not always going to get somebody to square up with him. He's never going to find those people uh, that are willing to do it. Um, you don't want Tyler Batuzzi doing it all the time because you need him to score. So it's just that balance. That's kind of what I was talking about. So you're right. Yeah. Don't take bad penalties. Like
0: that's the key here. <laughs> Exactly, and one there was one thing about uh, Ryan Reeves, I believe. Um, Try to keep said about Ryan Reeves. This is from Mike Stevens from the Hockey News uh, earlier in the day when they're doing their whole like post uh, practice conference. He said that Reeves has been great, and uh, he mentions his defensive game that's jumped out to him. So maybe something that we really didn't quite see from previous teams where Ryan Reeves was on Vegas Golden Knights, um, New York Rangers, Minnesota Wild. I think that maybe if he has, he can bring something else to the table rather than just being that, you know, hard nose, drop the gloves kind of guy. And I think that's going to be really big for the Maple Leafs in that situation on the fourth line. And like you mentioned, too, you don't want to be taking constantly dumb penalties every single time. But luckily for the Maple Leafs, um, I didn't have this in my notes, but this is a great, you know. Segway towards the power kill and what we're seeing already with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, especially Matthews getting penalty kill ice time. Obviously it's something that they wanted to try out with one of their many experiments. And Matthews has said that, you know, he's having a lot of fun with that. Um, obviously we talked about bad penalties last year where Matthews wasn't getting the ice time and there goes his five on five minutes, his power play minutes uh, with, they get that opportunity, but this is just another opportunity for him to do some damage in another situation because we know how lethal he is. Yeah. Well, he's going to have fun with it until it happens
1: too often. Uh, He blocks a shot and he hurts himself. Uh, He's playing 24, 25 minutes a game because he's also killing penalties. Like it's all fun until that happens a lot. And so if all of a sudden the team is taking too many penalties and he's out on the ice because he's trying to penalty kill all the time. And then you're taking away five on five you you're taking away power play. He's not gonna have so much fun anymore. Like that's not yeah. gonna be like he it's neat now because it's new. Uh mm-hmm. when it gets old and tiring because the rest of his team keeps taking stupid penalties, uh, <laughs> he's gonna be like, come on. Like, I don't wanna be on the ice that much for penalty killing, right? Yeah. So um there's like anything, there's a fine line that you just don't want to
0: cross. Absolutely. And speaking of injuries, um, Maple Leafs have already kind of had that injury bug already. Um, it started with something minor with John Klingberg. It wasn't too serious, but then we got to ta- Connor Timmins, and he, it looked like he's a little bit more severe with him where he's going to be out for some time, I believe with a lower body injury. And he was already off to a hot start in the preseason. I believe he had like six points in like three or four games that he's played in, including that four-point outburst against the Buffalo Sabres. Um, with Klingberg only coming back now, um. Obviously, they have a hole on the right side because you have two of those players that are right shot defensemen. Um, Timmins looking like he could have been battling for a spot right now. And as you alluded to before, how the defense needs to get a little bit tougher because we know how skilled they are. Is this already something that is a prelude to what can happen leading up to the trade deadline? I know it's like way like months away. But who's to say that they can't do their shopping and do their addition in advance as well? Like I know that sometime between now and the deadline, they're looking at a big, significant upgrade on the blue line. Yeah, no, I think that going into the summer or just coming out of it anyway, that's what tree living recognized was
1: probably the one area that he did not really address uh, very well. There's just not a lot of toughness on that blue line, and that's going to be a real problem in the playoffs. So I'm sure he already is aware that that's the thing he needs to be looking for. He's probably not going to be able to do it until the trade deadline unless, and you knock on wood, it doesn't happen. Somebody gets injured and there's an LTAR situation. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the opportunity to do something earlier than that. Uh, But even then you're still probably looking at teams that are going to be knocked out of the playoff race. And at this point, the season has started. Everybody's even everybody's zero and zero. Uh, You think going into the season, some teams know that they're not going to be very good, but others are like, well, everybody's got a chance until you don't. So you don't know who's going to be available and what upgrades you can make there. Uh, I wrote an article the other day talking about how Chris Pronger was talking about how he's almost traded to the Leafs in 2007, and the Maple Leafs didn't pony up enough to get him. There's no Chris Pronger available this season. In fact, there's probably rarely, if ever, a Chris Pronger available by trade. But that's the style of defenseman that you want. Someone with leadership, someone who's gritty, someone who plays on the edge, is a little nasty. Uh, Whether he brings you the same offense or the amount of minutes that a Pronger would, that's really hard to find but there's just nobody like that out there on the market right now so maybe Leafs are gonna have the work cut out for them i think they're gonna have a hard time finding that player they're gonna keep their eyes open this whole season looking for it because that's the thing they need now hopefully goaltending stands up and that's not another issue but uh, that's the biggest hole on this roster is that they just don't really have jake mccabe's the closest thing to it
0: there's just no toughness on this defense you could say that the closest thing was luke shen that they acquired last year because he was that type of player and you saw how well morgan riley thrived with him as his defensive partner but the maple Leafs were not willing to pay that price and when he left to the Nashville predators and i that seemed like a little bit too high of a price even for me i would not want to give that much money to luke shen given how you know Yes, he is a serviceable defenseman. Yes, he may have wanted an increase, but I think it was just finding out the money that he was making, maybe just even around a million, probably would have been a little bit better. But, you know, I could understand why the Maple Leafs were hesitant to give him that kind of contract because of what they needed to do later on. And I do agree that, you know, they have to do their due diligence. They have to do their, their scouts have to come through and find targets that they could try and bring in as a result of that. And it's already probably... Again, it's way too early to tell right now because like you said, everyone's starting at zeros. You don't know who's in, you don't know who's out. I think we'll have a better idea when the uh, American Thanksgiving happens because that's usually the precedent of where teams start to get a sense of where they are to make those deadline deals. And I think if the Maple Leafs are still well ahead of the class leading the Atlantic division or on top of it, I think they could, you know, look at other teams, lower understandings, like possibly a, San Jose Sharks, Chicago Blackhawks, and try to find a, a players in there that they could bring in as well. But that's, you know, we're jumping way too ahead of that. But I, that's the sense that I would get if everything starts to go well for them. They want to try and do their shopping early. I think that's going to be wise for them to do that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need the space, right? They they just, yeah. there's nothing
1: you can do unless you're willing to make a trade. And we've talked about that at nauseum. There's just no trade really to be made, Um is the only guy, and you're not trading him unless you're getting that exact piece that you need back on your blue line, and even then, it's a maybe. So, um, yeah, you're going to have to wait till money frees up or somebody dirt cheap becomes available. And there's – I mean, we've seen all these waiver wires. Nobody's taking anybody. So mm-hmm. it's just – that shows you how tight it is. There's just no room for people. Like, I would have – you, you could have looked at a guy like uh, Cal Foot and said, well, maybe there's some big guy, rugged guy, has a little – Nobody took him. Right. Mm-hmm. So that tells you how tight things are for most of these teams is that there was no interest of teams to grab a guy like him for basically free.
0: Um, that tells you how, how limited funds people have. Unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and possibly looking for a goaltender and that player's name is Martin Jones. I think that's probably the only situation where it's probably going to be at. But yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think if, you know, considering how the Maple Leafs are still. Trying to get underneath that cap, I think you're already looking at a move possibly what could be done. You know, uh, pra- I believe it was uh, uh, the practice earlier today where I believe Sam Lafferty was one of the extras and Noah gregor was one of the main players, so he's probably earned himself a contract. Is yarn croak possibly going to be on the move? He, like, in theory, 2.1 million for a middle six player is really good, but. Given how the Maple Leafs need to get cap compliant, could he be a cap casualty at this point? And could you bring in a cheaper defender at that price? But again, way too early to tell. And uh, the Maple Leafs have got some things to work around, especially Brandon Pridham. But we know how well he is working the salary cap. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm not necessarily worried about. Yes, I mean, we've heard about Kelly Arncroft
1: all summer, potentially the mystery behind Mm -hmm. why he hasn't been around. I guess he tweaked his neck or something, and that's why he hasn't been playing. But we've heard Trey talk around him for the last few weeks. We don't know what's happening there. Uh, Yeah, I could see a guy like Sam Lafferty being the odd man out to start the season. But Pridham's really good at this. Like This is kind of the thing that he knows how to do is to find – he's the individual version of the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. as a team seem to find miraculous ways to stay under the cap all the time. Pridham as an individual can do it. He just yes. looks around and he goes, okay, that can go there and that can go there, and then he's got it. Like it's And it's sometimes by a couple bucks, um, but he's able to do it. So I'm not really mm-hmm. worried that they won't be cap compliant for the beginning of the season. They'll find a way to do that. But um, yeah, long-term to find the room to add the piece you need,
0: that's a whole different story we've already touched up on you know the forwards like main story lines there the defense how that's probably going to be a target at the trade deadline now let's get to the goaltenders um obviously the big news is Ilya samsonov he signed that one-year deal on the offseason went to arbitration they came to an agreement and you know we, we started he's played in three games already you know- Obviously, you know, maybe the I'm not sure if the contract situation got the best of him. Maybe he was, you know, it, it, it affected him. I don't know. But we're starting to see a little bit of an up and down Ilya Samsonov, kind of like that stretch of where we saw where it was like end of December, beginning of January Ilya Samsonov, uh, because you look at the record again, it's only preseason, but he had a shutout against the Montreal Canadiens, um, overtime loss against the Montreal Canadiens, and then won against the Detroit Red Wings. But save percentage isn't all that appealing right there. Is this just a, a matter of Samsonov trying to find that balance of where the team needs him to be mentally? Because I believe Sheldon Keith also said that that, he, that he's still trying to work some things out. Is it just trying to still get some of that rust off and hopefully he can get back to form he, the way that he was for the Maple Leafs uh, down the stretch in the first round and even in the early part of the second round before he got injured. Yeah.
1: Goalies are an interesting thing for me in preseason. Now, Samson has looked a little sketched. Like he's certainly not been uh, on the, where you want him to be. Like if this is the The highs and
0: definitely the Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is the goaltender you're getting in for the regular season and like 45 to 50 starts, you're in trouble, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's not good. Um, That said, you know, the free season's an interesting one for me because I look at goaltenders as maybe the one piece that should be, pretty solid in preseason right like you've got forwards who are working with other forwards who they're not normally working with you've got uh prospects who don't normally play in the NHL trying to find their way and figure it out so the offense is a mess defense the same thing guys don't know their systems they don't really know where to be so you expect mistakes you expect screw-ups and goofy things and really bad goals but goaltenders should be goaltenders and playing against prospects and non-NHL players they should be better than they're actually going to be in the regular season because they're not playing against prime competition every night. So Toronto has been playing against some weaker lineups. So you'd think, but at the same time, you've also got players that you're not used to seeing. You don't know their shots. You don't know their tendencies. So maybe there's a little bit of that thrown in there, but I'm a little worried. And we talked about this, right? Like Samson off Joseph wall, the, the Maple Leafs have a couple of goaltenders, but neither one of them has a ton of experience. So it's not like they're you know, Jones is the guy with all the experience, but he's a huge question mark. So it's like, this is maybe it's too early to say this is like warning safety zone, kind of whatever time, but it is a little concerning, right? Like you don't like, I look at the Oilers and I do this all the time and people are probably sick of it, but like, they've got the best thing going right now because Campbell and Skinner have both been really good in preseason. And that was a huge concern for them coming in. Cause it's like, can Skinner do it again? And what the heck happened with Campbell last year? Both have looked really good last year in Toronto. Samson off looked really good. Joseph Paul looked really good in his starts, but Samson off looks a little bit iffy, right? Uh, wall we'll see so if he doesn't figure it out in the next little bit here I mean that's not what you want for Toronto so I would be slightly concerned I'm not gonna hit the panic button yet. The sky's not falling but it's certainly one of those things we're like man let's hope he gets this figured out and it doesn't take him very long because you know the highs and the lows are okay if there's more highs than lows but if you know if there's too much of this that's a real problem
0: yeah and I think it's it's, I, I, to me, I think it's a mixed bag of everything. Like, it's him trying to do too much to try and help the team win. like He comes out, plays a puck, and we know how not so great he is at playing the puck. As we saw, one of those goals against the Detroit Red Wings, that was, let, let's be realistic, that was pretty ugly uh, for a goal. Again, for Samson not to give up, because at that point, after allowing, you know, a couple of bad goals, he's found his groove. But then that one bad moment kind of affected his play again. You don't want to see that. But the one thing that I'm a little bit positive and more reassured about this time is that whenever he does get into this, you know, kind of kind of, you know, Bad swing of things where things aren't going his way. He is able to get out he out of it. He is able to find that mental that mental toughness to overcome everything. And I think that was one of the things that Maple Leafs goaltenders were lacking in the past. And I think right now, Sansada again, small sample, one season with the Maple Leafs, he was able to do it. But can he do that consistently? And like you said, too, with goaltenders, you know, it, it's ebbs and flows. You know, you're going to have bad outings. You're going to have really good outings. And then sometimes the consistency isn't there. But if he's able to find that and quickly get out of it like he has in the past, I think that's going to go well for him because he now, he now knows the coaching staff. He know he's going into another season with the same people intact to help him out with his mechanics, movement, mentality all that, if he's able to do that and have those people help him out, that's going to be a big help for him and the team because, yeah, like you said, you don't want to put too much stock into this because it is early on, but, you know, you can't help given the fact that the Maple Leafs have had bad luck with goaltenders in the past. But I I, I think that with Samsonov, I think he will find that groove. I think he will come down to earth and I think he will start to show that same type of goaltender that kept this team in it for quite a bit last season. Yeah. And he's definitely going to need to have that skill to shake it off in Toronto, right? Because
1: mm-hmm. it's only going to take two games before everybody's turning around and saying this is a massive disaster, right? So if he can't figure out how to just ignore that outside noise and focus on what he needs to do, not worry about his contract, not worry about the fact that he's a pending UFA, not worry about any of that stuff, and just play his game, that's going to be really key for him in Toronto because. There's maybe a handful of markets that are as bad, if not just slightly under what people will do to him in Toronto in terms of saying and judging and criticizing and all that stuff. If he doesn't figure it out and he isn't above average, uh, it's it's going to be something he's going to have to deal with for, for quite a time until he figures it out and he's run, goes on a solid run, right? So uh, mm-hmm. the earlier he has good starts, the better off he's going to be for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. And even so, like even just looking at his numbers last season, like he had some of the best numbers in goaltenders that have in a specific amount of time. I can't wait. Let me just do a quick check here. So of goaltenders that played over a thousand minutes, uh, he had a he was top 10 in five on five save percentage. And he had the best high danger save percentage of not 0.901. And this is of at least a thousand minutes played in the regular season last year. So, you know, he can get it done. He has shown that he can keep up with the best goaltenders in the league, even though he himself is just starting to come into that right. Um, but yeah, I, I with those numbers, with the way that he's played before, I, it's you want you still want to try and give him that support because that's going to be huge for him going forward. Yeah, we know he's got the ability to do it. We've
1: seen mm-hmm. him, right? Like you just ragged off the numbers. We, we've we seen him do it. So it's not like he can't do it. It's just a matter of whether or not he can wrap his head around doing it regularly. And that's the biggest question mark for him is because he's never going to play, although he played a handful of games in Washington. But like this is going to be
0: the year that he's going to play the most games if he's healthy. So uh, he's got to do it regularly. And another big payday is on the horizon as well if he's able to play that well. And yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with that. Before we get into the second half of our show, here's a quick word from the hockey writers. Interested
1: in writing for the Hockey Raiders? If you have experience writing about hockey, are passionate about the sport, and are looking to take your writing to the next level, the Hockey Raiders could be the place for you. Here at THW, you will have the opportunity to hone your craft at one of the world's largest and most respected hockey publishers. You will have control over what you write, be able to seek out media credentials, and be supported by a large network of writers and editors. Plus, you'll get paid for doing it. If you're interested and want to know more about team openings and requirements, please visit the Write for THW page on the Hockey Raiders website. A link to that page is also listed in the description
0: and we're back with the maple leafs lounge teeing up the second part of our show um obviously th- the big talk is you know at the end of last season there was still the belief in the core four even when Kyle Dubas left and they brought in Bradshaw Living Core four is going to be the main focal point of this team. They were able to get them over the hump of the first round. Woes against the Tampa Bay Lightning, John Tavares, you know, game six, game winner. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner sort or roast to the occasion when the team needed them to team kind of fell flat in the second round, but all eyes are going to be on them this time around. Um, What are your expectations of this group leading this team? beyond the first round and going on a deeper run this season?
1: Well, I think they're up for it. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Nylander. I mean, we're all guessing at this point whether or not he sticks it out. We hear that that's the plan. Uh, we don't know. He's, he just talked today. I think it was yesterday, maybe. His agent came mm-hmm. out and said that they are willing to negotiate during the yes. season. So this could Big be one of those there. things. Yeah, so they could figure this out during the year. Like, we we don't know. And if that's the case, all four people are signed. You know, Marner's got a couple years before he's got to come up, but uh, I think they're up for it. I think, you know, they're motivated. They want to get past, um, you know, second round. They want to uh, go where they haven't gone before. They just need the pieces that are with them to kind of come along for the ride. They haven't shown that they can do it yet. uh, So we'll see if this is the, you know, the show me season where they're going to get it done. But I think every year they go into it mentally thinking they can. It's just a matter of, you know, actually doing it. So. I think they're out for it. I don't I don't have any concern there. I think they're all gonna have strong seasons, uh just like they normally would. They're gonna produce as long as they stay healthy, they're gonna be the drivers of this team, even with guys like Bertuzzi on the roster now and Max Domi getting points, like they're still gonna be the the you know the fuel that moves this thing forward. So I think they'll have big seasons. I I think it's gonna be a good year for Toronto. Uh, I've seen some people predicting they're going to win the Stanley cup. I'm not going there. I don't think that's the deal. Uh, I thought I saw an article on the athletic today that somebody was writing. That's, this is why I'm picking them for the cup. And somebody had them as the best top six in the NHL. Um, I don't see that either. I think they're right in the top five, but they're not uh, They're not Stanley Cup favorites to me, and they're certainly not the highest top six or best top six in the NHL. But they're in the conversation for both of those things, right? Like, they're probably in the top five or ten for the Stanley Cup. They're probably in the top five of the top offense. And it's because of those four guys, mm-hmm. right? Like, that core four is the reason that people are giving them so much benefit of the doubt, even though they've never proven it. So, I think they'll have a shot.
0: Yeah. And the big thing is, obviously, we know about the regular season success that they all have, you know, believe all of them hit 80, 80, plus points last season. That's pretty impressive for those four players. Again, when Matthews and Martin stepped up against Tampa Bay, you saw William Nylander step up in their absence against the Florida Panthers. And again, it seems like when a group or a few players are clicking, others aren't. And then it goes up and down. You want to try and find that balance where they're dominant throughout and you know knee was kind of quiet against tampa bay but he still showed a significant impact with his puck possession style um the ability to get on the attack and cycle the play with the speed but i think right now is i think if they're able to handle that pressure a little bit more considering that they already won that round yeah everyone's gonna say okay they went around now they got to do more i agree but i think right now what you're seeing is a team that's put that behind them. Hopefully they can overcome that. And I have said this quite a bit in written articles in episodes like this, that if they're able to overcome those like, you know, past failures, that should motivate them a little bit more. I think that, you know, with the pressure that comes with it, this is a team that that now has that track record of, you know, using their history to their advantage now can they do that again if that's the case then this team is going to go far now they got to worry about you know other teams climbing their way up in the sandings ottawa senators buffalo sabers you got to worry about other teams in other divisions new york uh the new jersey devils looks extremely dangerous carolina hurricanes the defending stanley cup champs in vegas um again there are a lot of teams in it to win it dallas stars as well Uh, they're going to have their work cut out. But I think that when they put their mind to it and they're on their game consistently, all four, or even let's throw them the top six, this is a team that can get it done very much. And I think that if they're able to just overcome those mental obstacles, that's going to be huge for them.
1: Yeah. I, this is an interesting year for me because in the Atlantic division where you had Boston just destroyed everybody last year, uh, you had Florida who barely got in, but they went all the way to the Stanley cup final. Um, Tampa Bay, I think, is going to take a major drop-off. Boston, I think, could see the biggest point regression mm-hmm. that we've seen in a very long time. The teams that I think are going to be competing with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year are not the teams that were competing with them last year. Like, I think yeah. you see Ottawa having a much better year. I see Buffalo having a much better year. Um, they're the. I think those are the three teams that you kind of got to look out for, yeah. right? Like, that's going to be the really interesting thing about this division, is that it could be a whole new set of teams uh, that are competing with each other and not necessarily the favorites that come out of this every year, right? Like, I don't think Detroit's probably in the conversation. I think they'll be better, but I don't think they're going to be that team that you probably worry about. Um, You know, I don't see Montreal. I think they'll be better, but and they've got some pretty good young pieces. I don't know if they're in the conversation yet, though, but I see Tampa and Boston taking major drop-offs this year, so uh, it'll be really interesting to see who
0: Toronto is competing with uh, in that division. Absolutely. And let's get in before we end off the show, we're going to have like two or three little quick fire segments here. Let's just make these last three questions kind of like the quick fire of the segment. Um, Obviously, with the preseason coming to a close, there have been been a number of standouts. I want to know who is one standout for you during this preseason. It could be a veteran, could be a rookie. Um, Who do you got? Well, for two different reasons. One, I
1: think I love Matthew Nye's. I think he's going to have a really big year. I think that's going to be a huge one for them. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, I think with a number of games under belt, it's going to be really good. And Fraser Minton's really surprised me. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. really kind of like, wow. Like, I don't think anybody saw this coming this quickly. If the fact that he he has a chance of making this team, if he makes this team, will be very interesting. And it might answer a couple questions when it comes to that third line center and William Nylander experiment. So that's kind of a, a one for me. So uh,
0: Nye's and Minton, those are the two that I've been watching. Yeah, definitely Fraser Minton. Obviously, the Maple Leafs got a really good one when they drafted him in the second round in 2022. Has the IQ. He's getting that physicality in there and like, like, eyes. Nice. And even when I wrote, I recently wrote about him. In an article that just came out earlier in the day that, you know, this is a guy that's finding great chemistry with him. They both have that puck hounding mentality where they're always aggressive on the attack and, and you know, battling for pucks. i really love the way that he has been consistent and getting the coaching staff's attention. And this is a guy that could be in the NHL sooner than later. Um, I am going to say Max Domi in the sense that he has created good chemistry with William Nylander in the games that he has played um again still a lot of you know things to work out penalty wise discipline and all that but you can see why the Maple Leaf signed him when they did he has that energy he has a speed he has that skill set but that added mentality I think is one that's like becoming more prominent out of not necessarily all the signings but I think it's being more felt offensively and I think Bertuzzi will get to that point but we're seeing that a little bit more with Max Domi so He's going to be my preseason standout to this point. Also, honorable mention of Connor Timmins, but unfortunately that injury, you know, is going to keep him out for a long time. And hopefully he uses that more as motivation to get back into the lineup. Yeah, no, he's had a good uh well, what we saw him anyway, uh had a good start. That's just unfortunate timing for him. Yeah. Definitely. Next question for the rapid fire. A player who will have a big impact, but is going to be flying under the radar as a result of it.
1: Well, we talked about this, and I asked for qualification on this before we we went on air here, and I was like, does this count? So I'm going to go maybe off the board. I'm going to say Noah Gregor, and -hmm. the reason it's probably off the board is because he's not even on the team, technically. Like He's still on a PTO, and they haven't signed him. We don't know if he's going to make the roster. Uh, You you said it earlier in the show. You think he's probably a a lock. I think he's probably going to make this team. Uh, I was very surprised that nobody signed him. I was a little shocked that San Jose didn't even qualify him. Like I thought that was an interesting decision. So I think Toronto's picked up a piece that could really help them here. He's played fairly well in preseason. I don't think he's going to score you 15 or 20 goals or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a pretty effective piece. He's fast. He can play in the bottom six. He could round out that fourth line really well. Uh, He's going to be a very team friendly deal. So I like him. I think he could fly under the radar until he kind of doesn't like all of a sudden you look at him and go, man, that was a good PTO. That was a smart signing by Toronto. Uh, and then we'll all go, Oh yeah, we should have seen that coming. Um, but no, no Gregor for me. I think he's, I think he's going to make this team
0: and I think he's going to play a lot. Absolutely. No, that fantastic pick. And I even wrote about him and why this could be an underrated addition, given what he could bring skill wise. Um, I am going to pick Kelly Yarncrock, And uh, for all the reasons that there's a lot of like, you know, ifs ands or buts with him about being moved this is a player that had 20 goals last season in like a middle six role moving up and down the lineup um if he's able to still find that consistency in a third line role um obviously during the preseason in that one game against Detroit he was paired with Nyes and Minton and they absolutely dominated and that was his first game back so If he's able to still have that energy, that goal scoring ability, I think we could expect another 20 goal season from him and be an underrated producer offensively for this team.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a little concerned about whatever's been going on with him and the whole mystery around his neck and why he hasn't Mm -hmm. been playing and stuff. So hopefully that's not something that lingers. Uh, If he's healthy and if he's not a trade piece or not something that the Toronto Maple Leafs look at having to move to do whatever they got to do. Yeah, he could be a really effective piece for them.
0: Absolutely. And last question. Will the Maple Leafs come out on top and win the Atlantic division? Uh, I'm going to
1: say yes. I think so. I think they're probably going to be competing. Uh, and this might be, I think they're going to be competing with Buffalo. I, I know that that's probably yeah. the really odd pick is to pick the Buffalo. But Sabres it's a good pick. I like the Buffalo Sabres. I like mm-hmm. what they're doing. I like their blue line. I think it's super. There's so much potential on that blue line. Um, their young forwards are really starting to come into their own. Uh, they've got some skill and, you know, veteran experience. Like, I think they're a good team. Like, I think it's just a matter of putting it all together and having things go their way. And sometimes it just hasn't. So, and I think that all the Jack Eichel stuff is behind them now. I think everything is there. They know what they are. Their Their players are locking in. Uh, they're committing to this team other than Rasmus Stellin. Uh, Owen Power's not done yet either, but I think they're going to. I think once those things, Buffalo's just on the right path. So I think that's the team, but I think Toronto's going to come out on top here. For...
0: Yeah, I agree. And with a lot of the teams taking a step back, Boston, Tampa Bay's going to be about Vasilevsky in the first two months or so. Um, you're going to look at some of those teams taking advantage of the position in the standings. And also, I would love to see a renewed Toronto-Ottawa rivalry, the Battle of Ontario again in the early thousands. I think this is going to be very competitive. And I think, like like you mentioned before, Ottawa could be one of those teams that could give Toronto a good run and push. So I still think Toronto comes out on top, but yeah, there's going to be one of those two teams pushing them in being competitive for one of those top three spots as well. Yeah, Florida could be
1: good. Like they were... Mm -hmm. They have every reason for us to go, yeah, they'll be a good team. But like I said, they barely made the playoffs last year. So you don't know with them. It could be good. It could be middle of the pack. You don't really know. As long as Ottawa stays healthy, like if Josh Norris is good to go and Shane Pinto gets signed, I think Ottawa's going to have a good team.
0: No doubt. It's definitely going to be a very, very tough battle in the Atlantic Division, kind of like the AL East in baseball. This is now history repeating itself for Toronto teams. But that yeah, is all the- there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, let's just end it off right then and there. Exactly. Um, That is all the time that we have for this episode of the Maple Leafs lounge. Thank you for tuning in to the season preview episode. Be sure to check out Maple Leafs content from Jim, myself, as well as the Maple Leafs team, as well as all the other amazing writers that the, uh, the hockey writers have with all the preseason and regular season content that we are gearing up for. Be sure to check on all the teams and all the content that we have. For Jim Parsons, I'm Peter Barrichini, and we will see you next time on the Maple Leafs Lounge.